This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. I've said before that Despite the fact that the goal of Spooko is to get me to watch a horror film, I've never felt further from watching a horror film than I do now. Shag, as I said to you on an Instagram live the other day, um, I was watching one of the kids' shows where the mum gets magically turned into a vampire and it's one of these Netflix (laughs) really shit quality crap computer animation um, shows. As in in it's one of those... Uh, shows that isn't made by a major studio and clearly they banged it out in a couple of weeks. Exactly. Where, where every character sort of looks the same, but some of them have slightly <laughs> larger noses. It's like, no, oh, I'm this marginally larger nosed character. <laughs> and the mum is just getting used to being a vampire and she's like, well, what's that smell? And she leans into like a victim's neck and is like, mm, ah, and just the fangs fang out of her. And I was like, oh, I don't like this very much. And I had a little bit of a, just a little bit of a vasovagal, a little bit of a fainty sort of a feeling. So, I, look, I have a lot of questions out of that, I have to say. Number one. Ow, ow, my hands are really soft. Uh, that was muffled by my sweatshirt. But that's a new rushes. Cheers. Number one, how has... 42 episodes of this podcast not desensitize you in any way to the spooks of Spooko. It's got to be worse. Like, I'm heaps worse. (laughs) Is is it because... Okay, you know what? I I had two points, but I want to ask based on that. Is it because you know what's in them now, you're more scared of them? Because before they were this foreign thing, but now you know what's in them, you're spooked? This is is the point I'm coming to. Maybe is the answer to that. I feel a little bit more familiar with the spooks. Mm-hmm. where I got to the point today that so these responses I can't control like this vaso vague it's just a physical feeling of like oh shit I'm gonna faint like I'm watching this kid's show this is really embarrassing I'm gonna faint yeah and, and go- going back to that because this is from like many many episodes ago mm. but the vaso thing with you is if you see blood there is a physical reaction that causes you to faint this is an yep. actual medical thing and you have been in you have been in hospital for that you have been yep. in ambulances for that before and you feel like have I, have I told you that full ambulance story not to get too sidetracked but so, like, I went into the doctor for, like, I'm feeling a bit sick. Can you do a medical certificate? And I'm like, yeah, you peach, like, peach, peach. As a, as a man, you're allowed to go to the doctor if you're feeling sick. And, in fact, you should in this sorry. day and age. Yes. No, that is the, that is the very... This is 2018, Peach. This is... This oh, is yeah, you're right. <laughs> You've learned. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> this is ancient history. This, this yeah, cool. Peach. I don't recognise this guy. You wouldn't recognise him either. No. Um, so, I'm in there being like, oh, whatever, idiots. Just write your stupid doctor's paper. <laughs> And um, look, I, I mentioned in passing, I had a nosebleed the other day that I, I didn't know what brought it on. And so they're like, oh yeah, we'll check it out. And so they reach into my nose with this exploratory tool 
And they just scratch the inside of my nose and cause it to bleed again. And I was like, oh, I really don't like that. And it just started bleeding. And I stood up to go get a tissue. And then magically, I was lying on a bench, had completely forgotten who I was and was staring at the ceiling with all these people looking over my head. And like my response was like, fucking calm down. Like, I don't remember who I am or why I'm here, but like, let's all <laughs> So do. you shouldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's all just, <laughs> like, let's all just relax. And it turned out I had a vasovagal convulsive syncope, which sort of means I'd fainted and bounced up and down. And they called an ambulance. And I was like, come on, guys. Like, we're all grown ups here. And they're like, no, no, we've called the ambulance. You, like, you're going in the ambulance. Like, I was like, look, fuck this. I was like, can't some of these jelly beans. Like, I remember them being super glucosey and sweet. And they're like, mm, not until a doctor's seen you. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I was waiting like 15 minutes for this ambulance. Then I hop into the back. And I'm like, you know, my personality, I try to be polite to people. I'm in there. So I was like, mm, driving an ambulance, you know, pretty, pretty crazy. They're like, yeah, man, you wouldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, so how's your week been? What have you been up to? And I'm trying to be polite, but I also want to draft my will um, because, I, because I was intestate. It means I didn't have a will before this. And Section 8 of the Succession Act, and we don't have to go into it too deeply unless you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> Section 8 of the Succession Act um, allows you to draft what might be thought of as a more casual will than the one people think of with the lawyer's office. Like a cool will with, with sunglasses on? my on. phone. So like eight <laughs> years ago, all the judgments were like, oh, the I will judgment is in. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another case that was like, will dot doc. <laughs> and so I'm drafting this will and trying to make polite conversation in the back of the ambulance. And um, it turns out that my ailment was not liking blood. And from time to time, I don't like blood. And that's one of my fundamental things. Back all the way back in episode one, we talked about me being scared about blood. But sorry, the point I was coming to a thousand years ago when I started this story, <laughs> when I had marginally more hair, I'm going bald slowly. I had a, one of these coffee in the case notes. I moved my head at a weird angle and I was like, no, there's that bald. Anyway. Like today I'm in a weird headspace and work's exciting and, and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, fuck, it's going to be really nice to have a real refreshing spook out tonight and hear about a spooky film. And it's just the first time that I'd ever thought of having a bit of an extreme experience getting scared might actually be something welcome. And so despite the fact that on one hand, despite the fact I might go into a bit of a vasovagal convulsive syncope while we have tonight's discussion, Normally I whinge about going to the horror movie part, but Shag, perhaps this time it might be just the refreshing thing I needed. So Peach, I, I actually had a catch up with my boss today and I talked about, or we talked about how I use the word organic too much at work. <laughs> but I do think, I do think this change in you, like you just said, won't happen. It won't be a decisive moment. There won't be a moment where it's like, oh, cool. I like horror movies now. I can deal with it. I think organically it will happen. Like slowly it will creep up on you like it did today. So clearly we need to do a bit more work, but obviously we're doing it the right way because if you fainted the sight of blood, I don't know how you would have sat through even the first half an hour of Hellraiser while people are exploding into like, you know, blood explosions or skin is being worn or things like that. So we're doing the right thing. And we, the mission is clearly happening because you had that moment, you know, you had a little bit of a Eureka moment today. 
If I'm needed on set at Eyes Up, I realise this is probably going to be a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a problem. Like Peach. Well, you know what? You know what? I was thinking what your role could be because obviously I'm an executive producer. Ludacris is the main name on the poster. Like they're our two roles. Your role will be the realism consultant because if we do a gross scene and you faint, it's real. <laughs> But if we do a gross scene and it's and you don't faint, it's not real. I'll be like, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't pass the pass the fainting consultant's test. It doesn't. It doesn't pass the vasovagal test, which only Peach can do. I love this. Like, this is my favorite thing. Peach, you should offer your services to horror films under that. I mean, obviously you're like you're fine with work and family and everything. Well, today was but, a pretty intense day. But like, yeah, yeah. Look, look. Look, if you, you know, there's been a lot of articles lately, you know, in the midst of COVID being like, like literally articles that are like, should you change careers? And maybe, <laughs> I haven't seen that. Like lots of people are telling you, telling them all these like growth industries. No one's talking about vasovagal consultants. Because oh, everyone's it's a going very into coaching job. though. Everyone's like, oh, I quit my shitty old previous <laughs> job. And now I'd love to do some coaching. And it's like, oh, <laughs> tough times. <laughs> You you have to want others to succeed more than yourself to be a coach. And I think that's kind of the problem with pretty much every self-styled coach on LinkedIn right now. But also apparently the subgenre is coaches for coaches. They're like, hey, have you ever wanted to be a coach? Sorry, <laughs> I'll coach you into being a coach. And apparently it's an awesome market because these people are already pre-sold on how good coaching is because it's like, yeah, but coaching rules. <laughs> And then you can imagine it's just always like derivative steps up from there. Like, do you ever wanted to be a coach? Your coach is coaches. I coach coaches and coach coaches. And then, you know, and you can just. <laughs> oh, eyes up. Okay. Okay. Well, no, speaking of eyes up, I really want to give it, you know, the full time it deserves. Cause I feel like often, you know, we get into a really good eyes up groove mm. and then we're like, Oh fuck. The today fuck we're talking about a film. film we're doing. Comes <laughs> this is Fuka, right? <laughs> so I'm just going to save eyes up for next episode for now, but there's a few things we've talked about. Obviously we talked, you know, with the team from too scary, didn't watch. I just need to shout those guys out again. Last episode was so cool. One of my faves easily. Those guys are so funny. You've got to keep listening to them. They are total legends and their podcast is arguably a better Spooko or at least a more in-depth Spooko. Their episodes are on average twice as long as Spooko. So if if you feel like our podcast is great, but you, you always get to the end and you're like, fucking guys, give me like another, <laughs> like at least that length again of podcast, they're the podcast for you. Or if there's too much eyes up content, you're like, yeah, look, classic idea for a podcast, but too much eyes up chat. Head over to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Sammy and Emily. There's almost Legends. no. Emily, what's up? Yeah, there's almost no eyes up chat in Too Scary Didn't Watch. It's crazy. <laughs> they barely mention it at all. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. So look, let's let's leave eyes up for now, but let's go right back to the start of this. I, I mentioned there was two points about the things you said. So one of the points you talked about was you were watching a show with your kids that was a really shitty Netflix show. Now I think that's, it's, it's, it's not a genre in terms of content, but it's a genre in terms of just describing something is the shitty streaming content in which it's not marquee content. Nobody's paying for the service for that. You just go to the fourth or fifth page of results. You see something that you're like, you know what? Why? I'm just going to get, I've seen everything else. Nothing here looks appealing. 
I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't want to watch normal people. I don't want to watch, like, I don't care about basketball. So I'll just give this thing a try. And today's movie is one of those movies, but in the way that only the internet can and only TikTok can, you know, and I'll go into this story in a bit more detail. It's become a contemporary cult classic and there's a lot to like about it. So I will go into that in a bit more detail, but first I want to talk about something because last episode, you know, we did talk about, you know, the notion of originality and how we thought our, we were the only podcast like this, but turns out we're like part of this whole genre that exists Mm -hmm. across the world that, you know, does this sort of like uh, adult fear of scary movies sort of content. And it kind of got me thinking about, you know, the notion of originality and the fact that pretty much nothing is original. What that led me to think about is creativity more often than not is just putting two or more things together. You take one thing that exists and another thing that exists, put them together, bam, and there's your idea, right? So today's, today's film is a fifth page of results streaming film where you take the idea behind The Ring and you take the marketing and the meta-ness behind The Blair Witch Project and you put those two things together. In 1988, a small movie theater in Budapest, Hungary, burnt to the ground, killing the 56 people who were watching the film. The film that was screening was called Antrim. Or it could be just a coincidence. Some people don't think it exists. Some people claim to have seen it and lived. And now apparently, you guys have found it. So... If you have an intention to watch the movie, you better watch it with somebody else. So we've already established that I'm in a cleaning out my closet uh, sort of frame of mind tonight. Like we're, we're laying it all on the table. <laughs> let's, let's do this pitch. Come on. Um, what do you got? Very early on uh, in this podcast's life, I made a flippant comment about the budgets of films and decided it would be fun <laughs> for me to pretend I didn't care when in fact I find it super fascinating. And in the last episode when we had Emily and Sammy on, you were like, Peach doesn't care about this stuff. And there was no way I was going to put you on blast like when we had guests in the house by being like, yeah, I care about it now. And so now I care about it. And so I feel like this is a film made for $3.50. And if streams count, then this film could easily, like I'm pretty sure the ratio for Blair Witch was 60 grand invest, 240 million return. Yeah. It's like marketing would have been 20 million, 30 million. Like there would have been a massive amount spent on marketing because it's one of the great to, marketing triumphs. I mean, here's, here's the thing. Like he's, again, I am, I am in no way, like I, I work in that industry, but I'm no, in no way like an expert on film marketing. But the, the, the thing you want from any creative thing is to not spend too much and for it to be all word of mouth. And Blair Witch, I really actually don't think they spent that much on it. I think it really was a word of mouth success. And that's why, you know, budget to whatever is so huge. Well, my closet's cleaned out. I'd be fascinated to know how much this costs. And I'm going to be fascinated to learn how much it's earned. I'm amped. I'm amped. I'm sorry for saying that. (laughs) That's so shit. (laughs) 
All right, look, let, let me tell you a little bit about this film as well, because I think that there's so much. The reason why I wanted to do this is even though I've seen the trailer, you've seen the trailer, I haven't even seen this film, and I'll tell you why I haven't seen it in a second, but it looks so shit. And I've read a couple of articles that are basically like, this film is garbage, but, but here's why I wanted to do it. So it's recently been trending on TikTok. We've talked about TikTok quite a lot. Amazing, amazing platform, probably the, the best social media yet, you know, like up there with Vine or something, because it's all about creating rather than just sharing and, you know, making yourself seem better than others, even though a lot of, you know, accounts do that, but I digress. It's a great place. And Basically, it's the one place at the moment where all emerging trends in every creative scene comes from. It, it's where all music stars are broken now. It's probably where a lot of humor comes from. It's where a lot of storytelling technique comes. It's, it's an amazing platform, right? So there's a thing on TikTok at the moment and there's 42 million views of this hashtag, which weirdly for TikTok actually isn't that huge. So 42 million people have viewed something called the Antrim Challenge. And the Antrim Challenge is to basically watch this film because according to this film and its marketing, if you watch this film, you will die. So like I said before, the mix between Blair Witch and uh, and the ring in the ring if you see in the in the movie if they saw a videotape then they'd die in seven days and Blair Witch pretended things were real put those two things together and essentially they've created a film where it's like don't watch this film because if you watch it you'll die so obviously you're gonna watch this fucking film the difficulty is um and not to be a lawyer who talks about the fine print I mean it's true but that's true of every single film ever made like, like, uh, I mean, it's tough for it to be a revolutionary idea of like, I will, I will die, but I will die if I've watched fucking Pinocchio or the Netflix, like bullshit special we were talking about before. Like, congratulations. I, I'm trying to be quiet because Golden Child is asleep in the other room, but that is the funniest thing I've heard in this podcast in a long time. But that's so true. It's every movie. Congratulations. It's home alone. Okay, so but 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 I I believe the idea is you die pretty soon after. But yes, th- I take that point. Every Depends movie on ever is natural. Look, look, <laughs> talking big history. You know, we talk long history. You know, fourteen billion years. Lots of people have seen Goodwill Hunting and died. Think about how many people have seen Avatar. It's weird that we've all seen Avatar, but lots of people have seen Avatar and <laughs> die after. It's spooky. deadliest film really, ever made. When you think about it, literally <laughs> millions of people who've seen Avatar have died after seeing Avatar. Okay. All right. Okay. But I, look, I was interested in that film for that reason. I thought a film that inspires that sort of challenge that is ostensibly terrible, but people are going to watch. And I kind of love the fact that it doesn't matter the quality of it because the challenge itself is to just watch it and sit through it. That's kind of amazing like that's where you know going back to that Blair Witch point it's like that is the marketing that like marketers don't know what the fuck's going on like I did I like I, I, I made a TikTok challenge you know with a client this week and I'm really happy with it but I look at the stuff that people organically make and I'm like wow that is legit you know cutting edge creativity and this the the antrim challenge is the sort of thing that any movie maker and any movie marketer would dream of having about their film but it's not just everything now couldn't it be like oh the peach and shag challenge guys (laughs) 
listen to all the spooker. To, you know, yeah, to but if, if you look at our uh, 82 followers on Instagram, it's one thing to have a challenge, but it's the other thing to get people involved. And Antrim has people getting involved. Check back. Can you hear me? What happened? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I just—I think it's just shit internet and nothing else. Oh, okay, I just cool. thought Did we'd you lost save that last bit. Uh, we're just tethered to my oh, phone. It's still recording. Here. Okay, yeah, cool, cool. Oh, hopefully, cool. it's still recording. It says recording. Okay, it is. It says it's recording up there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you know, there's 42 million people on TikTok, and they are a notoriously short attention span audience getting involved with this, going and watching this terribly made film and then making content about it. Like it's, it's incredible. So there's something about the idea of this. There's something about the drawer of this that I wanted to talk about. But then on the other hand, I thought it'd be kind of cool because today in the podcast, you've, you've talked about how you're so far, you talked about it last week as well. You've never been further from wanting to watch a film, but there is something in you. I, I feel like a psychologist could write, theses on you and the way your brain works you have this ability or, or or this thing in you that anytime there's any sort of challenge anytime there's anything that's like a spicy pepper or a, you know a, like a cold pool or a, a, a di- something that's like well maybe you shouldn't do this you're like i'm gonna do this so i thought this might be the right film to talk about because you know it, we we both seen the trailer now, and by talking through the film, potentially we will die. And in fact, as we've proven, we will die. We after will die. <laughs> but potentially we might die soon by talking about this. Yeah. Well, and... what's up? Let's find out. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this. So it's called Antrim. It's also called the deadliest film ever made. Which to me, I'm like, I like that. But at the same time, if it is the deadliest film ever made, that kind of takes away from it. It should, sound of music killed fuckloads more than Antrim. <laughs> sound of music has killed so many people. Fuck, it's killed so many people. Tens of millions, definitely. Ironically, more than World War Two, based on what <laughs> Which, the movie's about. I always forget the sound of music is set in in uh, World War Two. Well, or like, pre World. No, it's just pre World War Two, right? It's no, just no, no. It's during. They escaped to Switzerland because they're in Austria. Yeah. You always forget the second half of the film. The first, like, they're in love by the end of the first half of the fucking film. And then it's like, oh, I guess we'll go and escape to fucking wherever. <laughs> That's right. What a, what a weird thing for kids it's to long. watch. But also it's kind so of, long. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is long. It's probably cool for kids to get that, you know, get that history lesson in. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, Rolf's okay, such so a look. fucking snitch, though. Watching it again, you're like, Rolf, you fucking <laughs> All right, so Antrim, and P.S., it's A-N-T-R-U-M. If you look up A-N-T-R-I-M, you'll find the Wikipedia for a lovely English village with what looks like a lovely church in the middle, but it's not this film. So it's, it's, a, it's a 2018 American film written and directed by David Amito and Michael Lacini. This probably was made for $3.50 because they don't even list the budget. There's no budget in the in the Wikipedia, which Sick. and also all of the marketing around it. So, I read an interview with a guy called Mister Thirteen who saw this at the Brooklyn Horror Festival in 2018, and was like, "I need to bring this to the masses." And according to him, the filmmakers were reluctant to release it and share it with people, which I think is awesome. And I like that. That's that's super super fun. 
But it is awesome. Like, it's funny to think of the idea of like, oh, don't, don't tell anyone about it, you guys. Well, uh, this, this is my favorite thing about it. So let, let me read this quote from him. So first of all, he says, they almost have this reluctance to talk about the movie. I later found out that they weren't even applying to these festivals. The festivals were reaching out to them. That clearly wasn't happening, but I love that that's the story. <laughs> and then, and then he says this, and this is, this is the thing that I'm like, okay, this is what makes it interesting. It's a movie that sort of demands counter takes on counter takes. There's a certain level that says, okay, a haunted movie. Oh no, will I get cursed? And then there's another level that says, of course you won't be cursed by a movie. Don't be ridiculous. And then there's yet another level where you're still thinking about the film days afterwards. You want to show it to your friend. And when you show it to your friend, do you tell them it's a cursed movie? Do you sort of make a cheeky joke about it? It's in your life now. You're talking about it. You're making decisions about it. The way the movie follows you in the real world, that's the real curse. I want to see how that plays out because part of the obsession of the movie is just wanting to know what do other people think about this? How does it infect their brains? I love that. I read about that. I'm like, yes, I get this. And I want to talk about this film today. Oh, now, now awesome. I, like I love the fact that you are a lawyer and I know I ask you, I, I, and like, I realize, like, I think it's the same thing people do with doctors where it's like, you're a doctor. So you My know about hurts. all types of well, medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so look, I understand you don't know about all types of law, but this film starts with a legal notice. Can I read the legal notice to you? Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. This is my favourite so, kind. So, so the first thing you see in the film is a legal notice and it says at the top, legal notice, by continuing to watch this film, you agree that the producers of this film have made you aware of the history and dangers associated with Antrim. The producers, distributors, No, I don't cast... like being fucking verbal straight away. It's like that, that has patently not happened. <laughs> it's like, you agree that we've already done this stuff? It's like, fuck with, like... <laughs> That didn't happen. <laughs> this is literally the first I've heard about this. Yeah, it's like, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to give me $100. So, no, there you go. So, you've got to do it. It's like, what? It's illegal. Yeah. Sorry, it was legal. <laughs> right, I'll keep going. The producers, distributors, cast, crew, unions, and theatre management on all levels are released of all liability for any event that occurs to you during or after your screening, including but not limited to illness, injury, mortal danger, or death. If you disagree in any way with this notice, you must leave the theatre now. I was going to ask, is this a legally binding contract? Like, like, in, like, now that we get into it, I'm probably not really prepared to give you a, to give you a settled answer. It's not the worst. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard. I'm like, all right, before we start, fuck wits. Like we're saying it's scary. If you want to keep watching, you know, we're saying bad stuff's going to happen. Fuck. So there's all this sort of law about exclusion clauses and all this sort of law about warning signs. And I'm held out as someone who is a bit of an expert about exclusion clauses. And hearing that, I'm kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah, okay. You've told me there's going to be mortal danger. <laughs> if i like if you know there's a small chance that this movie actually is like it's it's a very small chance but the universe is a crazy place and anything can happen so there is a small chance even just by relaying the plot of this film in this podcast people could die and in fact everyone will die after listening to this podcast yes eventually. you certainly will die if you listen to this podcast but is there some sort of legal disclaimer we should say before we get into the plot 
Should I also say legal notice? In fact, should we, because if we should, let me know and I will make sure I record one that goes at the start of this podcast before we get into things. That's good. And in fact, like, stay, like record all this. It's important. This is nice. So there's paper and warning signs I gave that I was really happy with. Yeah, section five. It, it, so this is New South Wales, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, there's no one listening to this um, outside of New South Wales. Well, except in LA. Uh, they, but they've probably traveled too. So, uh, so this is about warnings of risks, right? So now we're in section, <coughs> section 5H of the Civil Liability Act in 2002. So there's no proactive duty to warn of an obvious risk, right? So this, this is, is an about obvious risk because we are talking about the deadliest film ever made. Like we say up front. It's in the name. The film ever- it's in the name. <laughs> and obviousness, like the obviousness to your plaintiff that like you take at the time she or he or it or they comes upon the risk and you know so we take our cinema goers as they are we've told them about the risk it's called the deadliest film ever made you've been warned off we go i think look this is my prelim so normally um normally when you're giving advice off the cuff like this that you sort of think is right but are not certain you're like my first thoughts are it's fine (laughs) but that's my preliminary unsettled preliminary view let's do it so what i would say to anyone listening is um Thanks for taking the time. Resha's what's up. Uh, just confirming that. No, in fact, let's not do a disclaimer. Let's just do it and wear the liability. Okay, cool. To everybody who dies after this, I mm. am sorry. Mm. Hell of a way to go, though. All right, cool, so in 1979, a film named Antrim, shot in English but apparently of Soviet origin, is submitted for inclusion in a variety of film festivals none accepted shortly after each rejection the various festival directors die under suspicious circumstances several years go by during which the film remains unseen until it mysteriously appears at a theater in budapest in 1988 now keep in mind when i'm talking about this 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 is supposed to be like a documentary this is supposed to be like this film antrim actually existed in 1979 people tried to submit it to places it failed and then it reappeared in budapest in 1988 i also love the fact that when you're a couple of like you know western uh filmmakers you're like what is the strangest place we can think of in the world like like, all the snakes i just feel sorry for all the hungarians who are like it's just it's a city like it's it's no spice markets here it's not like tatooine i'm sorry i've been watching a lot of star wars lately all my references why have you been doing that uh we recently trialed disney plus and then adele realized that her childhood connection to every disney film and the fact that they're all there at her fingertips means we'll never not get it so we were like let's go through the star wars films from the start turns out spoiler alert that all the new ones are easily the best by far because filmmaking techniques have advanced to the point where people create fleshed out worlds and tell good stories. <laughs> so that's why I like Solo and Rogue One are easily better than anything from episode one, two, and three. But anyway, 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 I digress. Oh, Not trying to start beef, except with fans who are just the worst fucking people in the world. Fuck Look, off fans liking of Star Wars makes you a bad and boring person. <laughs> I'm, happy to, I like, I'm happy to at least go that far. Defining your personality by fandom of anything makes you a terrible person. It just does. I'm sorry. I don't even, I'm not making the, like, I'm literally making the rules here, but I don't make the rules of the world. I just call it as I see it. I'm like Donald Trump and I just saw that and it's the truth and that's it. Deal with it. If you like the Star Wars films, you're going to die. 
the Star Wars films have killed a lot. Yeah, they've killed lots. They've killed oh. stacks of people. <laughs> All right. Children. Okay, so they've killed stacks of children. Oh, fuck. That's so dark. That's so dark. <laughs> so Antrim was screened in Budapest in 1988. During the screening, a fire breaks out, burning the theatre to the ground. Initially believed to be the result of a faulty projector, investigators later determined that the audience members set the fire themselves. Dun, dun, dun. The film again goes unseen for many years until it is screened in a theatre in California in 1993. Prior to the film, a concession stand worker doses popcorn with LSD. Classic prank. I love, like, if I'm an underpaid person who gets his hand on drugs, what I love doing is just sharing it around. Bloody love it. I'm like, how good would it be to waste all these drugs? Can't wait. The combination of the drug and the film results in a riot during which a pregnant woman is killed. Following this screening, all copies of the film apparently vanish and it earns a reputation as being cursed. In 2018, a copy of Antrim surfaces prompting a documentary crew to make a short film on its history and impact. Although the origins of the movie remain unknown, scientists and film experts who examine scientists and scientists, <laughs> film experts and scientists, <laughs> scientists and film experts who examine the 35 millimeter reel determined that among other unique properties, mm. the film utilizes disorientating sounds and subliminal imagery. Mm. Ooh, classic. It's like a Beatles this, album. So we've talked about this before, how in the creative industries, we, we always look out to go beyond the first thought. It's like, don't go with your first idea because chances are everyone else has had that idea. Even if you, it sounds amazing, everything about this is first thought. It's first like thought. they wrote, it, it's like, this is JK Rowling writing this on the back of a napkin, but they wrote the entire thing on the back of a napkin and we're like, done. Not over the course of a year, the course of an afternoon. And we're like, this is the best film that's ever been made. <laughs> let's, not get, let's not get just scientists. Let's get scientists and film experts. Scientists and film experts. I wonder how did they break up the work? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like who did what? Anyway, okay. So the documentary crew further determines that unrelated black and white snippets of an apparent snuff film have been spliced into the, the original movie by a third party. Now, in my time of internet research, though, is that, again, talking about great marketing, Snuff films don't actually exist. That idea of films being made, showing someone being killed, were basically a marketing ploy made by a horror film in like the 70s or 80s as a way to market it to make people scared. And it's very look, scary. I, like it is pretty, like as a concept, it's pretty scary. But yeah, scary concept. So the documentary pauses so that Antrim may be presented in its entirety for the first time in 25 years. Yeah, so that's okay. all preamble. Okay. That's sort of fun. Uh, well, you know what? I like that it breaks it up. You know, you know how when you're reading a book, and and I clearly haven't read a book in a yeah, while. Yeah, man, I finally read love a couple reading them books. <laughs> you read, read like three books, books in your life. <laughs> no, I've read. And your job is writing. Recently. Literally, your job is being great at writing. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. I haven't been a copywriter for a while. But yeah, like you're, it's you're, empowering others to be great at writing. Supervise. You are to be even better at writing than they are. No, no, the, the, the point is to be like, wow, you guys are great. I'm, I'm, I'm not even as good as you. And that's empowering. And then they go, yeah, I'm going to be great. That's how you do it. It's easy. Um, so, 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 so. What is a book you've read? No, but you know, how, you know how it's easier to get through a book 
when like sometimes you're like you're like i'm enjoying this but at the same time it's like i'm bored i'm reading a book and <laughs> and but then but then you look sort of you look to see when the chapter ends and you're like you know what eight pages to go i can do this i'll get to that in the chapter surely that happens to you sometimes Jack, your life must like i know you have lots of rich exciting things in your life but that's really grim books are the best no oh no i look i love reading i love books but also <laughs> I just haven't read one in a while, but, but no, but book, book, like book reading, if you stop reading, right. And because it's like, I fill my time up, like my time is like crazy filled. Right. So if you fall off and in your few spare moments of free time, you go to reading a book again, it's daunting of all the sort of, of all the entertainment forms, it has the toughest learning curve. Is it like, Zelda like 160 hours? Yes, but you're playing it. Whatever it's called, Breath of the Wild. But also, but also, that's a really good point because every video game, starting a video game is like starting a book. The first hour or two of every video game is like starting eight books. Like they're the longest things in the world. (laughs) Anyway, look, 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 look. I digress. Let's talk about the let's talk about the original Antrim presented in its entirety for the first time in 25 years in uh, 2018. Sounds like Skyrim to me. Talking video games. So Antrim concerns siblings Aurelie and Nathan, whose pet dog, Maxine, was recently euthanized. Going shout out to Too Scary Didn't Watch, who were talking about the lamest trope is when you have to kill a dog. Killing let's stop, dogs. Let's stop killing dogs in horror films. Sammy, Emily, Henley, what's up? After Nathan asks if Maxine went to heaven, their mother informs him that because he was a bad dog, Maxine has gone to hell. Intense. I'm guessing Nathan is the, I'm also guessing Nathan is a child because I haven't mentioned Nathan at all. They're just like after Nathan asks, but there you go. Traumatized, Nathan begins experiencing disturbing dreams and visions of demons. In an effort to ease his mind, Aurelie claims to have tamed a grimoire from an imaginary classmate. I'm just going to look what a, look up what a grimoire is. Ooh, it's a, it's a textbook of spells. A grimoire is a textbook of spells. grimoire. So Aurelie claims to have obtained a grimoire from an imaginary classmate named Ike, who she claims is versed in the occult. Using the book, in fact, a sketchbook Aurelie has filled herself with arcane drawings and spells, she takes Nathan to a nearby forest locally renowned as a place for suicides, telling him that it's the place where Satan fell to earth when he was first cast out of heaven and that if they can find the place where he landed, the pair can dig a hole to hell and rescue Maxine. That's actually That's a pretty cool. That's that is, actually that really is. sick. I love that. I think one of the things we've talked about in this podcast before is how you make hell, which has become such a part of culture, actually scary. Because the idea of sulfur and fire and pitchforks and demons with like hooves just isn't that scary. Like it's, it's all enough, a bit sort though. of. It is enough. Like to get. It's a bit tenacious, D, man. It's like. It's just a bit like, it's like 80s cock rock. It's kind of dumb. So I, I like the fact that they've gone back to like, you know, the original Bible story and found a way in that makes it kind of spooky. Anyway. Guides me. is such a fucking sick burn of any idea. <laughs> <laughs> Orally guides Nathan through a series of rituals and rites, intending all along to arrange for Nathan to discover Maxine's collar in the wood as a sign they saved her soul. As the day progresses, 
Aurelie is disturbed to find that her spells are having an apparent effect on the real world, conjuring actual infernal figures. Additionally, the pair accidentally interrupt a man attempting seppuku and obliviously pass by the rotting corpse of a suicide near their campsite. Yeah, man, I, I'm, in, I'm mooded up. This is, this is serious business. Their first night in the woods, Nathan slips out of the tent and sees a boat being rowed in a nearby stream by a figure resembling Sharon, who ferries a nude woman. Okay, so I called it Sharon, but it could be Charon. Charon is, in Greek mythology, the, the ferryman to Hades. Yeah, sick. Like, I'm about it. I think I, think okay. I know that from pop culture, don't I? That, that's a sort of our, our general boat person to hell. Person. I think so. I think so. Uh, he, it's probably an Atenacious D film clip. <laughs> um, he likewise hears a rattling chain that he attributes to Cerberus, the three-headed dog of hell. Sick. The next day, Nathan and Orly stumble upon a pair of cannibals in the woods who capture and cook people alive inside a giant iron statue of Baphomet, who kind of like Paimon is like one of the main demons, including the man whose suicide attempt they earlier interrupted. When the cannibals become aware of their presence, Orly attempts to take herself and Nathan to safety by abandoning their camp and rowing downriver in the boat Nathan saw the night before. The pair both end up falling into the water. Orly and Nathan make it to shore, only to realise that they have moved in a circle and are back at camp. Classic Blair Witch um, trope there. Yeah, I don't like that, but I sort of love it. The cannibals capture them and attempt to cook Nathan, but Orly escapes her cage and frees Nathan. As Nathan flees, Orly obtains a gun and shoots the cannibals to death. In the woods... Nathan stumbles across a dog with its paw caught in a bear trap. Nathan frees the animal, taking it as a sign that he has freed Maxine from hell. Uh, the end title card appears on screen. The film abruptly resumes, following Aurelie as she runs through the woods pursued by demons and experiencing violent hallucinations. She hides in the pair's tent, aiming her gun at the entrance. As Nathan approaches, no. a panicked Aurelie opens fire and the film ends. Which, so far, I was expecting a way spookier. You know, think about the, the, like the VHS in the ring, how creepy and spooky that was. That's just like a, it's just like a schlocky 70s film, right? And so that's how Antrim, you know, celebrating its 27th anniversary. And then we go back into the documentary, yeah. Then we finish with the documentary. The documentary resumes shortly after this with scholars observing a rune seen throughout the film belonging to a demon named Astaroth. So here's a thing about the film. And here's one of the reasons why people are starting to dissect it. It hides a lot of like imagery throughout the film. Little I, Easter I, I'm sure, bubs. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably pretty clumsy, but it's there. And it's pretty clever at the end of the film to be like, did you, it's kind of like, you know, did you catch these things? That's pretty fun. So anyway, the scholars observing a rune seen throughout the film belonging to a demon named Astaroth. Examples of the rune appear subliminally throughout the film are shown as historians recount tragedies attributed to the demon throughout history. So kind of like Paimon at the end, it's revealed that this film is the work of Astaroth who has cursed it for some reason. That, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, it's cool. But even Paimon was like, I'm the trickster god. I like to go and fuck things up. Astaroth is just like, I cursed a film. And 
I, in the in the most implausible way, I've created a very difficult way to curse people. I've entered it into a bunch of film festivals, <laughs> hoping <laughs> hoping that the selectors will be like, "This is a great film," and then curse the audiences of film festivals in 1979. I love Feels that like Astaroth is like an ambitious filmmaker. He's like, "Fucking finally, <laughs> people are gonna see my." This is my fear about Eyes Up that we'll get to next time. That we're going to make it, just like Astaroth did, and be like, people are going to flip. They're going to love it. And then everyone dies with Astaroth. Well, I mean, well, here's the tough thing. Here's the tough thing about Eyes Up, and we'll get there next episode. Everyone who watches Eyes Up will die. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?